Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Good morning, Patrick. How's it going? Good, Jeff. How are you? Doing good, man. We're coming off of a great episode, great interview with our our friend, three-time, three-peat guest, uh, mm-hmm. Trish C., and uh, really enjoyed that conversation, and I've been getting some positive feedback about it, so that's awesome. Always good to hear that. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so we're back. We've got quite a bit to talk about this this week, we'll, playing a little catch-up on, as you do. Uh, we've actually got some decent movies to talk about as far as selection and that we're not like having to find something or pull something right. out of the, out of the vault, so to speak. Some good options. Yes. We have options. Exactly. We actually do. And we probably will for the next couple of weeks. It looks like, yeah. Um, between what has come out recently and then at least the next week or two, but we'll get into all that here shortly. How are things? Uh, things are good. Um, yeah, just things are good. Nothing to complain about. Um, uneventful, which is always, yeah, I mean, maybe, never maybe it's thing. not, all, yeah, it's not a bad thing. No. Um, but yeah, it's just been a pretty decent week. Some days the weather's been cool as last week went. Yeah. It kind of creeped up a little bit. Um, but at least the, the evenings are cool. The nice, nice, yes. cool evenings. Um, but yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing, nothing much to report here. <laughs> That's good. I mean, because yeah. I feel like sometimes people have pressure to have to be doing something. Yeah. Like they have to be doing something. It's like if they don't have something to talk about because they haven't done anything. Well, I haven't done anything. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe it's just because, you know, we're we're in our 40s, so we don't really necessarily need to be doing something. Sometimes just – Going home and just chilling is probably, you know, is, is enough. Yeah. Like that's in not having to be rushing from one place to another. Yeah. I'm heavy, heavily, I'm very much so an introvert. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm not always looking for, I keep it very simple in what I do. You know? Yeah. Every so often, like back in March, I went to a concert by myself. That was pretty big for me. Yeah. Um, but no, like sometimes I'll have ideas of something to do. Then by the time the, weekend comes or something i'm just like nah i'm good because i went caught a movie friday saturday didn't go anywhere <laughs> you know i just like watched the movies at home i watched quite a few caught up on some tv and you know a little gaming you know back yeah, in the yeah. arkham series you know playing that um but yeah just it's simple just this world's crazy as it is just <laughs> even when i do go out by the time i'm finished what i'm doing I didn't go home because I see how crazy people are driving. Just yeah. things just don't feel right. So just, I don't know. I just keep it simple. Yep. No, I feel yeah. Um, yeah, we had a pretty decent week. York and his mom went camping uh, down towards Chattanooga somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, you know, pretty cool. They camped in their truck. Like basically had like a camp that fits over the truck bed or oh, something cool. like that. Yes. Yeah. And had a nice little setup. They did some hiking, some geocaching, and uh, they even uh, rode rode their kayaks. I was like, "How do you describe kayaking? They how do you, what's the 
what's the verb on this one? Just they went kayaking. Uh, yeah, they. Well, they went kayaking at dusk by this cave and got to see the bats come out at at dusk and uh, feed. It was pretty cool that they sent videos. It was real cool to watch. So they had a good time. They made it back safely, and it's pretty cool. Uh, Grayson and I, for her, you know, kind of a for her birthday present, even though her birthday's a couple weeks ago. You cannot time up. You can't. You can't pick when concerts are going to come to you. So, anyways, True. we went and saw Pink Friday. We went to the Pink concert Friday. There we go. That's a better way to word that. Yeah. <clears throat> and she was very excited. I was excited too because it's been it had been almost I bet ten years since we since Ruth and I saw Pink in concert here. Uh, different this time around because it was outdoors as opposed to when we saw her the first time, which was at Bridgestone Indoor. Bridgestone Indoors. Right. And it was still hands down one of the best concerts because it's not a concert. It is a show in the way that kind of from what I have gathered, Taylor Swift puts on a show. She doesn't put on a concert. I guess okay. that's a good way to put it because there's sure high you value your money's production. worth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's high value production involved in the same way. So does Pink. Anybody that has watched her perform has seen her do her little aerial dancing and stuff like that. Yeah. And, they, you know, she lifts up into the into the sky and then floats across, you know, the stadium or wherever she's at and does some of that stuff, which is still bonkers that anybody does that and still was able to sing and hit those notes while doing that. That's talent, a skill. It is. Yeah. Amazing breath control, core strength, all that. Yes. All those things. So, uh, a band called group love, which I really like, uh, happened to be opening. So I was, re- and uh, then Brandy Carlisle, who I listened to probably 15 years ago, but I haven't listened to anything in forever. Mm-hmm. She was the feature, I guess is what they call it, opening feature and then headliner. Uh, and her, she put on a hell of a show too. I was like, dang, I was like, all right, all right, Brandy, go and get it. <laughs> uh, but no, she was great. And then it finally came, when's Pink going to come on? Because, I mean, Grayson was getting tired. Yeah. And I knew she probably would. I'm like, girl, I've seen you hang until like 11 o'clock at our house, you know, just at the house. Yeah. Not wanting to go to bed. I need this to be one of those nights. And, you know, Pink came on like 8.45, 9 o'clock, somewhere in there. She was so freaking tired. Like, you could just see it in her face. She was so yeah. tired. I'm like, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. Let's go. It's yeah. time to. Stand her, up her on energy was kind of, yeah, she'd yeah. already peaked out. So yeah. we made it 10 songs before she was like just resting. Like she didn't stand for much. I mean, wow. she could kind of see. And then she was just, she was just so, that's like, I'll yeah. hold you if you want me to. Like, I, yeah. And she's like, no, she just wanted to sit. And then finally, I'm like, listen, if you want to go to sleep, you can. And then she just curled up in a ball in the chair and fell asleep. Wow. And, and then cheering the stuff all around her. Just I was like, damn. I was like, yeah. And missing. I mean, I'm filming stuff, but yeah. uh, missing all kinds of great songs and everything. I was like, gosh. And then um, finally, I'm like, you know, this is her birthday present, not mine. Yeah. So I'm like, do you want to go home? Because it's like at this point, it's like 10:30. Do you want to okay. go home? She's like, yeah. I said, okay. So we slowly made our way out, so I could still watch some of it. Yeah, made it 13 songs in uh, about half the show. We made about half the show. 
Okay. Like, all right, maybe she can hang again next year or next time she comes around. Yeah. To build up that that concert <laughs> endurance. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, it's like it's all right. But she yeah. still said she had a great time, and that's all that matters. I had an amazing time for the time we were there. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's good. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know they had. She got to hang out with some friends and do a couple things on Saturday. She was up at eight thirty though. <laughs> on Saturday, I'm like. So you couldn't hang, but hang you up. hang, but you can get up. All right. Kids it's energies all, fluctuate. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I was at work, so it didn't matter. Yeah. But yeah, and then Saturday night, got to watch, uh, got to watch the Missouri Tigers game on, and I was very happy about that. they played the Memphis Tigers and beat them, and they are now four and zero for the first time since 2013. It's been a minute because you know yeah. Missouri's always been. I I always say because you know about my beloved Tigers is that if they finish above 500 a game or two even, I'm gonna be I'm gonna call it a win and I'll be happy with it. Yeah. I'm not going to be like all, you know, I'm not like an Alabama fan that gets pissy when they lose one game every couple of years. Yeah. My right. standards a little bit lower. The bar set a little bit lower. I, I know what our team is and everything. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. As long as they, you know, as long as they make an attempt, right. <laughs> I just need them to show up. Just so get blown out every game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If get blown out in the games, you're supposed to get blown out in and be competitive in the rest. Yeah. Well, this year they've got other plans. So they're currently 4-0. Uh, they're coming to town, playing Vanderbilt Saturday. We are going. And hopefully see them become 5-0. and Yeah. Which, since they're playing Vandy, not having the best season so far. True. They've got some talent. I watched uh, two weeks ago, watched the last few minutes of uh, – of them against UNLV and they stay competitive. I mean, it was tied up until like the last 45 seconds of the game and UNLV just got a run and then bam, they were gone. I mean, and that was the game. Yeah. But I mean, they've got some, Vandy's got some talent. They just need to develop it a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They get so, there. Yep. They'll get there. Maybe. Um, so we're looking forward to that this coming Saturday. So hopefully next time we talk, Missouri will be five and zero, and Lord knows who how how long it's been since that. And uh, found out yesterday they are now ranked twenty third, according to AP. So, cool. coaches poll and all that. So, look at them. I saw one TikTok video. This guy I follow, he uh, every week does like each week he does these videos where he does all the SEC teams mm-hmm. and basically like. There's these little skits interacting of the SEC teams talking to each other. Yeah. And it's really funny. And they always make me laugh. And then one week he said, uh, SEC teams, if they were Zaxby's sauce. And the best description about Missouri is Missouri's the loose is the mystery ketchup packet that you just found. You wonder where did they, where did that come from? Yeah. yeah. I said, dang, that's about right. I said, that's accurate. Yeah, because it's straight up. Where did they come from? And that's the, and that describes the season so far. So hopefully they'll keep it up. We'll see. Right. But yeah, and that's pretty much it for us. I mean, been trying to watch a uh, couple of movies and then watch some watch some interesting TV, which hopefully we'll have time to talk about. And then uh, yeah, getting ready for just another week. 
just stockpile. It seems like every place I go now, I'm just buying more and more Halloween stuff. So, getting spooky ready. Season, spooky season hath arrived. Yep. So, that it has. Uh, yes. Um, let's get into trailers real quick. We've got first one we have Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. I really didn't want to watch his trailer. I really did not. And I yeah. almost did because I figured the first one was literally the teaser one was more than enough. Thankfully, this this one I don't feel like is giving anything away. So as no, long as it's a lot of <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of stuff, just a lot of visuals. So I'm hoping it won't do. You know, they don't release another one because then it's just going to be like a. <laughs> Got some time, they'll probably do that. Yeah, I know, right? They're, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll do whatever to try to get people to watch it, so they'll put something out that they shouldn't, just to get people's interest higher than it probably is it'll now. Be, it'll be around Thanksgiving. It'll be around yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, but anyways, that'll be out December 20th, just in time for Christmas. And then uh, another great one called All of Us Strangers, starring uh, Andrew Clark, who is from, excuse me, Andrew Scott, who most people won't recognize as Moriarty from the Sherlock series with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Mark Freeman. Uh, And then Paul Meskel, which uh, was nominated last year. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, All of Us Strangers is about a screenwriter drawn back to his childhood home, enters into a fledging relationship with a mysterious neighbor as he then discovers his parents appear to be living just as they were on the day they died 30 years before. So, Andrew Mm -hmm. Scott, Paul Meskel, Jamie Bell, Claire Foy. It looks very interesting. So, I'm I'm curious about it. Uh, No release date as of yet. But... Yep, looks interesting. I'm I'm down with it. Next, from our friends at A24, uh, we have Dream Scenario, starring Nick Cage. A hapless family man finds his life turned upside down when millions of strangers suddenly start seeing him in their dreams. When his nighttime appearances take a nightmarish turn, Paul is forced to navigate his newfound stardom. So, starring Nicholas Cage, Juliana, Julianne Nicholson. Yeah, it looks uh, looks interesting. Written and directed by Christopher Borg, Borgley. Borgley. So, that one, that comes out November 22nd. Yeah, it's, it's an odd one. Yeah, it looks, it's, I mean, it's a perfect Nick Cage vehicle, though. Like, this is, like, right up his, right up his yeah. alley. True. So, yeah, uh, it's crazy. Can't wait. Let's see. And that's all we have for trailers. All righty. Feature presentation. Uh, for our feature presentation this week, we have A Haunting in Venice. Rated PG-13 with a runtime one hour, 43 minutes. This came out September 15th, and this is the third in the Hercule Perot series uh, brought to you by Kenneth Branagh. 
In post-World War II Venice, Perot, now retired and living in his own exile, reluctantly attends a seance. But when one of the guests is murdered, it is up to the former detective to once again uncover the Kila. So, starring Kenneth Branagh as Perot, Michelle Yeoh as Mrs. Reynolds, Jamie Dornan as Dr. Leslie Ferrer, uh, Tina Fey as Ariande Oliver, and Dylan Corbett Bader as the Becca. And yeah, so uh, Kelly Riley as Rowena Drake, and Jude Hill as Leopold Fier. So this movie's interesting. We're going to go with it. Yeah. Right off the bat, I'm going to go ahead and say that I enjoyed the technical aspects of this movie more than I liked the story. Okay. I believe I, I believe I enjoyed the way the cinematography, the lighting, hell, even the set design more than the story itself. I don't know what I was expecting wanting from this movie <laughs> but i feel like i feel like it's i needed it to either go to straight murder mystery or straight like haunted house type and it kind seemed like they were the trying on both <laughs> they were trying yeah they're like well we really want it to be this but we also kind of need it to be this as well and this yeah. is based on previous work too so mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, it, it, um, what is it? Halloween party from Agatha yes. Christie. Yeah. Yes. Inspired by that. Yeah. And so, I, you know, and this is not a, it's not a diss on the movie at all. It's just yeah. I, I felt more drawn to that, I guess. To, right. To how it looked and how, not pretty, but I mean how, because it was the lighting was great. I mean the, it really. The only thing I think I really didn't like is they like to use a lot of soft focus on something on some scenes that mm-hmm. I didn't feel was necessary. And I don't know. I'm not really sure. <laughs> like I'm just so not I'm not confused. I'm definitely gonna watch it again. Because yeah. it's definitely rewatchable. I just feel like compared to the last two, and I had the same feeling with like Murder on the Orient Express. I didn't like it right away. It took like four viewings, I'll be honest, for me finally to get on board and be like, okay, I actually do like this movie. The yeah. story had some hiccups as far as like the reveal and everything. Mm-hmm. It has some hiccups and I still feel like it I still feel like it has some hiccups in it, but I, overall I've grown to like it. <clears throat> That's the, the only one I have still my a death on the, yeah the, a death on the Nile is still my favorite yeah so far because yeah, like, that one I think is just solid and just a great murder mystery mm-hmm. and like even what you you know once they go through and they reveal how everything was done and the reasons and all that I'm like okay that's that's good I mean that's I'm okay with all that murder murder on the Orient Express I'm like I feel like we just didn't you couldn't find one reason so you had to find like multiple. Or, you know, there's multiple things that had to be involved in this. Whereas Death on an Owl was a little more straightforward. This one, I don't know. It just seemed, I don't know what, I'm going to use a horrible pun. It just seemed a little overkill. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it, you know, 
again, it's not that I disliked it. It's just there the aspects that I liked about it were not, I think, what most people are going to see it for. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Give, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, I thought for as far as being a murder mystery, that aspect was interesting because once it's over and you go looking back at everything, it's a lot of layers to it. Basically, you know, Tina Fey's playing like, like I guess, wouldn't say exactly friend because he said he didn't have friends, but someone right. he knows that's close to him that's trying to write another book, but she's trying to confirm whether or not this psychic or median is actually capable of talking to dead people. So if he doesn't go, then we don't have a movie. <laughs> so right. He has to go. And so he already doesn't believe in that stuff. So when he's there, he's pretty skeptical of everything. And then, you know, and he's retired, so he's not really being a detective. But then, of course, he's there. Someone dies. So he kind of goes into detective mode based on that. Right. Um, but um, I had a list of who I thought may have did the murders and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not right on what the result ended up being, but I was right. Right. On one thing, because if this one thing didn't happen, none of this probably would have taken place at all. Right. But um, but yeah, it, it, I was a little confused in a way because um, there are people tied to this story that you don't expect to be tied to it. Like it just seemed like out of convenience. Right. <laughs> like you know. But that's uh, but that's also kind of how those books back then were written. Yeah. Like a lot of things happened out of convenience. Yeah. Because it was just oh you know, and that's. Not the basically that's kind of one of the things. There's a movie called Murder by Death, which uh my mom introduced me to. It's a Neil Simon uh play, actually, and they they actually uh made it into a movie. It's a nineteen seventy three, seventy four, yeah. Nineteen seventies movie. Mm-hmm. Uh Peter Falk, Alec Guinness, David Niven, uh, uh Maggie Smith, uh who else? James Cromwell. There's a uh Truman Capote like there's a huge cast and it's great and what it is is it's basically it's caricatures of you know they basically take people like Poirot and Sam Spade and the Thin Man and uh Miss Marple or Miss yeah um basically all these different detectives from these books Mm -hmm. and put them all in them and had them go to this house to try and solve a mystery and it's a comedy. And it's really funny because it basically makes fun of all these books, like all these characters. Okay. And kind of like uh, satire or something. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's complete satire. And but it's done really well and it's actually pretty funny. And they and they and one of the things Truman Capote as the villain says is, you know, in all your you know, your ventures and everything, uh of the books that you write of of these adventures, you you always it always winds up being a character that doesn't get introduced until the last two chapters of the book. And you expect us to, you know, us, the readers to try and uh, guess who it is, but yet we don't, we can't because you won't, inter- you know, you don't introduce them to the last two chapters of the book. And it's always out of some sort of convenience, <laughs> you know, I was like, dang, damn, but yeah. it's a great movie. You can find it. I know it's been on Amazon prime a couple of times. I just yeah. bought it because I had we had it on DVD. We used to rent it at the video store. Yeah, it's kind of a clue. It's just one of those we watch a lot. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Sorry. Continue. Sorry, but that that <laughs> made me think of that bit from the movie. 
the convenience. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, then they have the little, uh, of course, they have, I guess, kind of horror elements because the meeting, you have um, this house that supposedly has a history of um, dead orphans that haunt yes. the place. And, um, but again, you know, Perot's really skeptical of all this. And, and so yeah. during the seance, some things happen, which he kind of easily figures out is fake. But then he himself starts having some visions like, okay, what's going on? He's seeing somebody that's not there. He's talking to the person. But then whenever someone comes around, whoever, whatever he sees is gone. You know, mm-hmm. so he's, he's kind of in that middle, like, okay, is this, am I becoming a believer or am I not? <laughs> like, what's right. going on? And, um, but yeah, but once everything kind of came to the surface, you know, you had one level of things where it was kind of a trust thing that went on between right. him and someone. And then... You start peeling away the layers of what happened to the daughter of the person running the party. What happened to her? Like, what was all that mm-hmm. about? And it just all comes together. And once everything comes out, I was like, okay, that's interesting. But it's a lot of layers to it. <laughs> it's a lot of yeah. layers to how everything came about. Because if, again, if he doesn't show up to this party, this seance, none of this probably would happen. But then mm-hmm. before that even takes place, there's something that happens. If this doesn't happen, then none of this takes place. Yeah, it's like you would. It's like, what would happen if one of those things didn't? Like, what would they just do? Like, just right. Well, damn, I guess we'll wait till next year. Like, yeah. Like, so, so, so it's relying on I a lot of things try, to take. I guess we'll try Thanksgiving, maybe. Yeah, so it's relying on a lot of events to take place and line up perfectly for. Yeah. Just the for, I guess the mystery to be solved. Yeah. Yeah. Then some moments where he's kind of going over what he thinks is happening kind of reminded me of Glass Onion, how yeah things kind of revealed in that. I'm like, okay, they're pulling a little bit from there in a way. Yeah. But um, but as a murder mystery, like like, like as far as the story, it's just something to get the ball rolling. Basically, you know, he's retired. He gets pulled into a Halloween party. Does one go to? And then a murder happens. So now he goes back into detective mode, <laughs> tries to figure this stuff out. Then he's having questions on whether or not is there's really things happening beyond this spirit in the spiritual level you know is he becoming a believer of that or is something else happening right yeah see if this this orphanage would have been in gotham it wouldn't have been a problem no dead orphans (laughs) (laughs) just a bunch of robins (laughs) (laughs) oh man but yeah so um this was filmed in Venice. He wanted pro, uh, pro. Kenneth Brown wanted to use as many physical sets as possible because I mean it's a beautiful city, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of beautiful architecture. So yeah, I would too. Uh, he also worked with the technical department to cause surprise surprises for the cast. The actors were not warned about lights going out suddenly or guests or gusts of wind and slamming doors on the sets in which they worked, causing genuine confused and startled reactions from the actors to appear in the film. Kelly Riley confirmed that filming the scenes, the seance scene, was a terrifying experience, saying in an interview, it scared the bejesus out of me. Hmm. I mean, watching Michelle Yeoh just twirl around around on that chair, I'm like, damn, she's got to be dizzy as hell. (laughs) Right. I was expecting her head to spin next. Definitely nauseating. Yeah. But I guess the head spinning comes in a couple more weeks. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
But yeah, um, one thing that was interesting is that in the movie, uh, Perot does suggest that Leopold, should, who's the young kid, who's not like trying to interact with any of the other kids or, you know, eat any of the candy or food. Yeah. Uh, there, he's just there chilling by the fireplace, reading a book, not help with his brandy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but he, they should read Dickens in Murder on the Orient Express. In 2017, Perot is seen reading A Tale of Two Cities. And in Death, in the Ni- Death on the Nile from 2022, he reads The Mystery of Edward- Edwin Drood. The latter being the author's final novel, an unfinished murder mystery not revealing the killer's identity because of Dickens's untimely death, something which would mostly def- most definitely intrigue Perot in deducing for himself. Dun, dun, dun. So... Uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, I'm curious if they're going to make another one, though. I'm sure they got plenty. Or if he's like the Christie book, he's like done. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on response to this and whether or not he has the good idea for something new to pull from. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's and again, uh, <clears throat> I didn't. You know, I didn't. Again, I didn't dislike it. I don't. There's just something about the. Yeah, I'm just. I need a second viewing. Like I watched it when I left and I was coming home. I was like, I think I was going to like this more than I thought. Mm-hmm. I did, but I didn't. <laughs> and, and I haven't figured out why. I probably just need to see it again. And or just didn't match the expectations. Yeah, I guess. And my expectation, I try to keep them low anyways. Yeah. Uh, but I think because I liked the previous one a lot more. Yeah. Then I thought it would, you know, expectations were kind of a little bit higher, I guess. But uh, again, it's not a bad movie. It is entertaining. And again, it has some decent, you know, jump scare here and there. But um, it kind of stays in the murder mystery realm. And it's a fun watch. I mean, it would be good to watch it in a theater with a bunch of other people. However, not necessary. You can watch it at home. Um, yeah. You know, whenever it decides to come to, to uh, streaming. But I did enjoy it, though. I mean, I did enjoy watching it. I didn't dislike it. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was a good murder mystery. Yeah. With the little horror added to it, which I guess... Like I said, I haven't seen Murder on Orient Express yet, so I don't know if they... I mean, there was some little bit of horror elements in Death on the Nile. A little bit. Not a lot. But a just, little bit, yeah. yeah. Didn't lean on it. This kind of yeah. a little more because it's Halloween and they have the Halloween party. And right. so it's a little more a little more in it. But um, like I said, there's just a lot of layers that once it comes together, then you start looking back like, okay, I, I understand why the kid was doing what he was doing. Right. You know, while the doctor was acting like how he was acting. Like I get it. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's and I mean again, it's an entertaining movie. It just something missing for me. But maybe I'll just maybe I'll have uh if I rewatch it, I'll come back and say, you know what? New thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> New thoughts on this. Just like I have with murder. Uh the murder on the Way Express, I didn't like the first time, first two times even. And I mm-hmm. still don't like the original. The original yeah. just so bland. 
It was. It was just bland. I'm like, okay. Get a bunch of talented actors to be in this movie, and then it's just kind of meh. Let, let the actors but, be enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so even on the new one, even Brana's version, I felt that the actors, I mean, you could tell the actors are having a good time. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them are just, it almost seemed like they were just filming a theater version of it, like a theatrical okay. play, because okay. they were over, I think they were over-exaggerating, over-exaggerations of their characters. There we go, that they were playing. They were doing too much, maybe. Yeah. Not everybody, but you'll definitely know it when you see it. But it's just like maybe dialed that down a little bit. I still enjoyed it. I still yeah. got around to where I'm like, okay, I deal. You like opened this. up to it. Yeah. Yep, I opened <laughs> yeah. up to it. Like, all right, maybe I'm the one that needs to just dial it down and just let the movie be the movie. Yeah. So I think that's probably what it was. Okay. All right, man. Uh, I'll let you go with the next one. All right. So I did make it out to watch uh, X. Spin forbles as it's Spinforbles? looks like on the tra- yes. as it looks like on the poster. Um, came out this past Friday. Runtime of an hour and forty three minutes. Directed by Scott Waugh. and then we have um, of course uh, Jason Statham returning as Lee Christmas. Sylvester Stallone as Barney Ross. Uh, Dolph Lundgren as Gunnar Jensen. Uh, Randy Couture as Tollroad. <laughs> um, then we have some new faces. Uh, Megan Fox as Gina. Uh, 50 Cent as Easy Day. Uh, Tony Ja as Decca or Decha. I think it's Decca. Uh, Aiko Buayas as Ramet. Let's see. Uh, Levi Tran as Lash. And Andy Garcia as Marsh. So, <clears throat> armed with every weapon they can get their hands on, the Expendables are the world's last line of defense and the team that gets called when all of the options are off the table. So, of course, this is the fourth one. Let's see, the last movie was over two hours, but this one takes it back down to where the first two were, like an hour and 43 minutes. So, yeah, a nice little little lean. Um, But um, so as we saw in the trailer, Stallone, I guess they've kind of had a had a downtime as far as missions. So Stallone comes in to get some his uh, Barney comes in and gets Christmas because he <laughs> lost his ring, he lost his ring in a bet, and so what it ends up being is that he's just trying to see where, I guess, what level of skill Christmas is at. Has he lost a step or what have you? And so, we have a bar scene where Christmas pretty much beats everybody up. Barney uh, kind of says he doesn't, he can't fight because he has back problems, but he manages to flip someone over the bar, and so you just see him just to set up to see where Christmas's skills were for this next mission. Um, and then we actually go into the mission. <laughs> so it's weird. It starts off with the action sequence. But then it cuts into the interaction with Barney and Christmas, which kind of cuts into that action. You know, because you're like, you've got explosions, yeah. fighting. Then it goes to this low moment with them interacting. Then you have the bar scene. Then it goes back to the opening. So I guess I kind of say that as this is happening with them, this is going on. But gotcha. they happen to get to the... so. Basically, there's some detonators that these guys are trying to get a hold of so they can blow them up. And the Expendables mission is to try to get those detonators before the bad guys get them. And so that's their mission. Okay. Get the detonators from the bad guys. Don't let them get away with it. Otherwise, we got problems. Right. So, But the way they cut the scene with 
the setup for the mission. It's just I don't know when all this takes place. <laughs> right. Gotcha. You know? So I'm guessing Barney and Christmas interaction was first. You see them getting set up for the mission. And then you see the bad guys coming in and get the detonators because they, they get there. It, the editing at the beginning is kind of weird. It's jump. It's, it's gotcha. Everywhere. Yeah. But um, so long story short, they fail that first mission. Bad guys get the detonators. So now they're trying to figure out how to get them back. Because yeah. in the course of this mission, Barney's in the plane kind of giving them aerial coverage and whatnot. But plane crashes. We lose a character. So, gotcha. um. So now it's kind of like a vengeance thing for Statham's Christmas because Barney's dead now. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, it could be, I mean, I guess it's kind of a spoiler. It is a spoiler, but it's necessary to tell the story. Right. Gotcha. Um, so Christmas has vengeance on his mind, but Garcia's Marsh, who's kind of like the, the leader, the head, head person, mm-hmm. basically sits him down and gives Gina, Christmas's girlfriend, lead now so she's taking over barney's role to take in the expendables to this mission to get the detonators back which makes no sense nope at all <laughs> at all so the scene we see in the trailer wait, where wait wait wait, wait, wait. trying to tell me the expendables went woke <laughs> hey <laughs> i don't want to go see this movie fucking expendables went woke man fuck this shit uh she's <laughs> Okay. But but like <laughs> but like the scene in the trailer where Christmas is holding the file, reading it, Megan Fox yeah. comes in, says that's a mission that I'm on, but you're not in. So he basically gives her his knife, which ends up having a tracker on it, so he's able to track him down. Yeah. Um what I found funny is they put this new team together, but then they like immediately sideline him and it becomes a Jason Statham movie. It's all about Christmas. <laughs> So like the first, well, the first. So dang, basically, the first had mission, instead of Fifty Cent, <laughs> or no Puffy. There we go. That's puffy. what I meant. Diddy. Yeah, but yeah. The, but the so, first mission she leads them on, they basically so captured. Christmas. Please. Yeah, they get captured and locked into a room. So I was like, damn, that sucks. <laughs> like y'all, the Expendables. This doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. But um, but because he had the tracker on the knife, he's able to locate where they are, which is where he meets Tony Jaws Decca, who used to work with Barney. And he learns of Barney now dying. He's like, yeah. well, he agrees to help state them out because even though he's left that part of his life behind, because there's a piece of him that he doesn't want to let out anymore. Because if not, yeah. then he doesn't know if he'd be able to bring it back in. So I guess he's like a deadly mercenary. So he helps them get to the to where they are. And um, and it just becomes Jason Statham's movie at this point. He's just mm-hmm. taking everybody out. One man. I'm like, wow. You have a team. You got, you got Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Megan Fox, um, <laughs> uh, you have Galen, told, you know, pretty much everybody that's there for the Expendables, yeah. they get sidelined, and it just becomes Jason Statham. <laughs> but, um, I mean, as far as the action, is good. It's kind of predictable, because once it comes... Yeah, it's it, it, it's it, an it's, Expendables it's, movie. Yeah, it's very predictable. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I feel like with Tony Ja, I don't think they used him enough. Yeah. He has a, he has a little moment where him and Statham kind of goes at it. Then he has a scene where I think he's going to just sh- completely show out, but then yeah. they have him share that time with someone else. So I was like, <laughs> sorry. I was like, mm. didn't pay the <laughs> they didn't pay the other enough. <laughs> like, like, nope, taking not. your ass out. <laughs> I guess not. But, um, you know, 50 Cent has some cool little quips. Um, but I mean, it's in the Spindles movie. It's mm. not something that you take serious. Yeah. The story is just, oh, really, hell no. It's like a know. Fast and Furious movie 
Just more, yeah. more guns, less cars. Yeah, this is R-rated, so it's more... I'd say cartoony blood. It's a lot more bloody explosion, yeah, yeah. body parts blowing up and all that. So I think the last one was a PG-13. I think uh, that's what probably. they said. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. Yeah, because promoting the last movie, Stallone said that this new one, when it happens, it'll definitely be rated R, unlike the PG-13 rated Expendables 3. So they definitely lead in heavy into that. Um, yeah. There's there's some wonky kind of CGI green screen like it's very noticeable, especially gotcha. when there, it's just kind of takes you out. But you know if you like the Expendables, it's it's cool. Just some little you know turn your brain off action. Just sit back and yeah. just just take it in. But there's just some stuff in there. I'm just scratching my head. Like that first act was weird. Once once yeah. you got past that, it seemed to find its footing. It just needed more solid ground <laughs> to begin with. Just the editing of how they introduced yeah. everybody, you know, it's just, yeah, that was just real wonky, <laughs> real wonky. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I watched on Hulu. I watched No One Will Save You. No one will save you. Um, this dropped at September 22nd on Hulu. An exiled, anxiety-ridden homebody must battle an alien who's found its way into her home. Now, when I watched the trailer, the trailer was amazing up until like the last 25 seconds of the trailer. Because the trailer made it seem like it was going to be a haunted house movie. Because mm-hmm. the way they cut it, it was great. They made it, I mean, they made it cut like, yeah, just like things were happening in the house. And like she needed to get out until like the last 25 seconds when it started showing the alien. I'm like, oh, come on. But uh, I, I didn't even talk to you about it. I was like, man, this probably kind of irritated me. Yeah. But I'm like, I saw that it was on. I'm like, all right, let me watch this thing because mm-hmm. it looked great. <clears throat> so, yeah, so the movie is uh, PG 13, runtime of one hour, 33 minutes, starring Kate Wendiever, who I absolutely think is a phenomenal actress. So it was, to me, it's kind of interesting that she's in this. Until I started watching, I'm like, no, this is perfect. Yeah. The movie, I believe, only has one line of dialogue or something like that in the entire movie, and it doesn't hit until one hour and nine minutes into the yeah. actual movie. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, I did catch it. Now I remember you mentioned the trailer, so I just decided not to watch yeah. it. Okay. So I didn't watch. The, I didn't watch the trailer, but uh, but yeah. Very minimum dialogue. Yeah. So they're like, well, how does... I mean, because she's literally lives in a home by herself. Mm -hmm. Every time she goes into the city, people don't talk to her. They look disgusted at her, and you're like, you have no idea why. What the hell does she do? Yeah, I was like... (laughs) I was like, like, this is why I don't live in small towns. (laughs) They are going to know your business. It could be something... Something you don't Something even know. Small. They're gonna, gonna be <laughs> mad at you about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's. It's. She goes in town, gets what she needs, and then goes back home to her little house on some land. Mm-hmm. And it. Uh, you're like, okay. She. It shows you know what she does during the day. She. She cooks. She listens to music. She dances. Like she has like the little. You know, she's learning how to. 
she's learning how to dance. She has like the little footprints on the ground and everything. And then she journals and like is content and then goes to sleep and then, you know, starts again the next day. And she builds these little like bird houses that are like actual houses mm-hmm. <laughs> that are in the shape of actual houses and are very detailed and very well done. And she makes some that kind of match the different stores in the city and everything. Like she's got some talent. Yeah. Uh, she can also, sew. yeah, she can sew. So I guess that's how she's making money. Cause she doesn't go anywhere to work. Right. So I'm guessing she just, you know, she's very crafty and sells it. Be the only thing I could think of. Cause I was curious about that. <clears throat> and you learn that she has, you know, she had a childhood friend, but you don't see her interacting with anybody. There's, you know, she doesn't have any, there's literally nobody that visits her. The mailman throws a package at her mailbox as if he's like shooting a hoop, watches yeah, it bounce like, off the uh, mailbox and then gets back in the mail truck and then leaves. I'm like, damn. Douchebag. I was like, damn, move the fuck out of the city. And again, I'm like, what did she do? <laughs> what happened? Well, And I'm like, who'd she kill? Because... Like, did she kill somebody and then, like, get away with it? Like, I'm more curious about that than anything. I'm like, because. Yeah. I mean, you see her hiding from the police, from the police, you know, I guess the sheriff or police chief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she ducks behind the car so they don't see. So him and his wife don't see her. And it's just really odd. And so also the second most odd thing is that she has a landline phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like what, what, like, what year did this take place? <laughs> yes, that's and that's and I actually did think that I'm like, must not. I don't know if I saw a computer, so okay. But the uh, the cars look newish, so I'm like, okay, it's not set too old a time. But she wears like those prairie, I think whatever you call them, prairie style dresses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she. Uh, oh damn, what's going on? So you know, at night she. She's sleeping, and then she hears this noise outside the house. Mm-hmm. And then, like, some weird talking sound she could, that she couldn't make out. And so she's, like, in a sleep gown, and she has, like, her slippers or whatever. She's going down to go check out what the sound is, and then she sees this kind of tall, lanky silhouette go by, but doesn't, like, you can tell it's not human sounds. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to figure out what is going on. To me, I'm like, girl, go upstairs, get some shoes, get some real clothes on. Exactly. And dip. <laughs> <laughs> and go, and get some shoes. And get something. Yeah. Baseball bat, whatever. Like you don't have a gun. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're in the you're in the sticks. Everybody has a gun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so she keeps going down, inspects it, sees these bright lights and everything. I'm like, yeah, you need to get find something to protect yourself and you need different clothes mm-hmm. <laughs> to this day. The best dialogue in a horror movie was when in the movie, in the movie us where Napita Napita, uh, Nyong'o's mother or character as the mother tells the daughter, go get your shoes on. I'm like, that is the most realistic and most appropriate thing to say yeah. during the time. Because you know you're fitting to run. Yeah. Get your shoes. I was like, that needs to be said more in movies, I think. Yeah. Gotta, <laughs> or just have attraction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was like, damn. 
<laughs> so she sees the being, which you know couldn't really make out at first, but because uh, she's you know hardwood floors and everything creaking in an old house, yeah. And she's creaking through here, and so she, what does she do? She takes her slippers off. I'm like, what makes you think the slippers are ma- the things make? They're thin. Yeah. It's not like you're wearing shoe shoes or boots or something. You're wearing slippers. That's, That's your body make weight. A whole lot of noise. <laughs> That's your weight on the floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm like, all right, I'll go on this journey with you. Yeah. <laughs> you obviously have been a shut in for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, she ends up interacting with this alien and it's basically like a great, you know, it's not like they try and make some alien to make it look like, make it look different. It looks like a 1950s alien. It's not green. It's gray. Yeah. That's big heads, you know, slender body. And eyes. yeah, big ass eyes. But the feet are kind of like hands. I thought it, the feet look like cousin hands. Like finger toes. Yeah. Finger toes. <laughs> Alien's got finger toes. I guess yeah. that's creepy. <laughs> right. So they, they, uh, she ends up interacting with this alien and it uses telekinesis mm-hmm. to, you know, turn the lights on and off and make, you know, shit fly across the room and everything, and then drag her out of the kitchen. Yeah. And she had this piece of one of the broken buildings and then ends up killing this one alien because it tries to stop her. But when it does, it stops her hand or holding like a, looks like a steeple to a church or something or a house. And it, you know, stabs it in the side of the head and kills it. Yeah. And so then she just backs into a corner and just stays there the entire rest of the night, just freaking out then daylight comes and she's just there and now she's just looks defeated like she's past the she's past the terrified now she's just defeated yeah she's gone aren't you the entire time no dialogue she's it's just everything's facial and everything is just either crying or panting like there's no fuck 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 shit shit Oops, the facial expression, you know, the grunts, but it's all body on, language. Yeah. Yes, is all there. And she is having to, her car won't start because EMP and all that shit. So they're not, nothing's starting. So she's having to ride her bicycle into town. She at least is smart enough to change clothes. And actually wear and shoes. Yep. <laughs> And go into town to try and go see the police and report it. But, of course, as soon as she walks, you know, everybody's shooting her the stink eye. Yeah. And she walks into the police station and runs into the chief and the wife. And the wife spits in her face. I'm like, God dang. It was a, it was a thick movie, too. I was like. Yeah. I was like, that- girl, <laughs> what have you done? Right. <laughs> like, why are you still living in the city? Move. <laughs> God, get out. out. Yes, (laughs) for sure. But, you know, then once they leave, she just kind of stands there. She looks at the other two police officers that are there at the desk or at the counter, and they're just shooting her ass dirty looks, and she turns around and gets the hell out. Yeah. What's up with this town? What does she do? Right. (laughs) So, you know, they, you see her getting back to the house, and she covered up the dead alien mm-hmm. and it's still laying in the hallway. I'm like, I would always dragged it outside, but okay. Right. <laughs> and 
yeah, this, uh, and so she looks at it and it's just obviously it's still there, still very dead. And now it's sticking up the place, mm-hmm. but she still doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And so once again, nighttime comes around and she tries to board up the place and, you know, try and protect herself. You know, got things over the windows and then, you know, big strong as bright light comes down right on down. And, uh, no, I take it back. I skipped ahead. So they, they have affected some of the townspeople because when she's walking, when she's riding her bike oh, back, yeah. she sees a bunch of people, their hands are like up to the sky or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cause you could see something that over these clouds and everything coming over and their hands are up to the sky and you can see, and they're kind of where they're, uh, on their, th- or inside their throat, something kind of sticking out, kind of throbbing, you know, like. Like it's got a hold of their vocal cords. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're obviously under some sort of control. And so she takes off, gets back to the house, and then, you know, it's boarding up everything. So there we go. And uh, here we are again. She's got a different alien trying to trying to come in. And this one looks different. It looks like it's probably a kid. It's really weird. It was more short, but the arms were very long. Yeah. So, it yeah. Was, yeah, the legs were shorter, but the arms were a lot longer. And, uh, yeah, she's having to defend herself from that one. And then, uh, you know, she escapes to the outside. And then there's one that looks like a dang spider that she's having to escape from. And it's, uh, you know, at some point, something's going to, oh, my damn, something's got to give here. You know, right. she needs to escape or... This just is this movie's just gonna not have a good ending. Yeah. And but like the fear on her face is just crazy. It's going through it. Like it that's beautifully acted. It's beautifully acted, shot amazing. And you know, for just a movie on Hulu, it's much like Prey. Prey was kind of this way too, where it was surprisingly a lot better and you kinda of wonder why it didn't get a theatrical release. Yeah, I think I would have seen both of these in theaters for sure. Yeah, and yeah, it you know the it's interesting because the the ending's not what you're gonna th- think it's gonna be. She uh, and so you're you're having to catch up. It's uh, I read something today earlier about this movie, and someone was commenting on how Caitlin Deaver's performance. You know, it was incredible, you know, almost dialogue free of 90, you know, 90 minute movie of guilt ridden anxiety soaked in brilliance uh, by director Brian Duffield's, you know, near silent sci fi horror that's masquerading as a home invasion movie. And then Guillermo del Toro, you know, weighed in, talked about uh, how there is a, an essential principle in Catholic dogma uh, that serves as a narrative backbone. Grace and salvation emerge from pain and suffering. It is in this passage that you find salvation. And then he goes on to talk about, um, no one will save you. You will save yourself through this. You can find it in the book of Job or in Jonah, in the whale, and in uh, in fact, many other religions. The world, the essence of it, is a paradoxical composite of destruction and creation. Any human scale attempt at 
suppressing one side results in strife because the universe doesn't play nice, period. Uh, Guillermo goes on to say that he thinks the key element or the key in the moment of quote-unquote communion through the Eucharist of the alien identity pod it is profound. And so he says he like talked about more, but uh, you know, maybe at a later time, but that the narrative strand is essential to Hitchcock and operates <clears throat> as the backbone of many a fairy tale and parable. That is what no, what uh, no one will save you is for, for him a parable, a really fun parable. Uh, but yeah, it, it is a uh, surprisingly good movie and very intense, as I yeah. texted you about. I said this movie is intense. It is. It just gets it even. Just scale just goes up. <laughs> so I'm just like, especially that big spider-like version of yes. the alien. I'm like, yeah, it just. It, I was there's a whole lot of nope in that scene. Like if I yeah. see that, I'm like whatever you got to do, just do it. Get it over yeah. with. I'm not. I, I, I would have got. I would have found somewhere to find some kind of firearm or something, because something, <laughs> something. But um, yeah, it's different. I, I mean, the fact that there's not a lot of dialogue. I mean, I guess in a way, kind of like how a Quiet Place was very light on dialogue, because it had to be quiet. But this here is they like, had to. None. This one you yeah. didn't. And didn't. she could have. No. Yeah, there's like there's a that was a that was a choice either yeah. by the screenwriter or the director. Um, that was a choice choice that that they made and it, it worked it, it worked i mean sorry it was also written and directed by uh, brian duffield like yeah first it's thought, just all direction like it's just all like parentheses in direction <laughs> it's the first it's i thought fine. she was like i thought she was mute like she just couldn't talk right she tried reaching for the phone i'm like okay so she can oh. talk she just right, never gets an Chooses. opportunity to <laughs> well because she i mean she's gonna talk to herself yeah. She could have, but yeah. in some scenes. But the fact that the townspeople didn't talk either to her, you know, it was just it was very interesting. I I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, highly recommend. You get time to watch this on Hulu. Perfect for the spooky season. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, my dude, you're up. All right, I'm just briefly uh, checked out uh, Outlaw Johnny Black. Uh-huh. Uh, it's an action comedy western. Uh, released the 15th of this month, runtime of two hours and 10 minutes, and it is directed by Michael Jai White, who also has writing credit alongside Brian Minns. <clears throat> and it stars um, Michael along with uh, Anika Nodi Rose as Jesse Lee, Erica Ash as Bessie Lee, um, Brian Minnis, Byron Minnis also plays um, Reverend Percy, uh, Chris Browning plays Brett Clayton. Barry Bostwick as Tom Sheely, Randy Couture, who was in hey, Expendables, uh, pops up in this as Bill Bassett, uh, comedian Tony Baker as Sheriff Yarbrough, and also have appearances by Jill Scott, Tommy Davidson, and Kim Whitley, with the last two having appeared in um, Black Dynamite also. Yes. So in this, uh, hellbent on avenging the death of his father, Johnny Black vows to gun down Brett Clayton. And becomes a wanted man in the process while posing as a preacher in a small mining town that's been taken over by a notorious land baron. <clears throat> so uh, Johnny Black makes his way to this town because he gets a tip that the bank is going to be robbed. And it's going to be robbed by Brett Clayton, who 
he's out for because he's the one that killed his dad, his father. So he just has revenge on his mind. So while he's waiting in the bar, he notices these not so indigenous people. Like they're they're Native American, but they you know the actors aren't Native American. So I think that's kind of the joke. Yeah. About right. So so it doesn't like Black Dynamite lead into a lot of humor of the black exploitation films. This one is a little lighter than that, so it doesn't go heavy. But there's a couple of nods. But anyway, he he saves them. And then gets into it with the townspeople that was picking on them, and he ends up kind of like in a shootout. So the sheriff tries to get him from behind, turns around, shoots a bullet right through the sheriff's hat. Sheriff's kind of old, so he dies of a heart. Yeah. <laughs> so Dang. he ends up so he ends up getting arrested <laughs> for murder. And the the joke of that is, well, yeah, I shot the hat, I killed the hat, but it's not my fault that the guy had a weak heart. You know, I I can't help that. <laughs> but I tried to shoot the sheriff. <laughs> But he had a heart attack instead. Right. <laughs> so for this, he ends up being set up for, he's going to get hanged, you know, a hanging for this. Um, so while he's locked up, we get a kind of a backstory on him as a kid. His dad was a preacher and he's also very good with guns. So they would go around town having these different shows where uh, his wife would throw a pack of cards up in the air and he would shoot them. And it would be a specific card. You know, he was just very good at, at being able to shoot the specific card that someone either chooses or has picked out. Mm-hmm. And so Brett Clayton sees this and he's not impressed. You know, it's kind of that line of, you know, racial tension. It's like, oh, he's getting all this attention. Bottom line is they have a confrontation and it's basically challenged him on being a gunslinger. Ends up killing him. Um, that's what kind of sets Johnny Black on this vengeance tour that he's on but yeah. as he's getting set up to be hanged as soon as they drop him the indians re- return and they shoot an arrow at the rope saving him then has the horse underneath where he gets away so while he's on the run he's low in water his horse dies but he continues walking and passes out but that's where he meets reverend percy and so he gets to talking to percy he's telling him how he's been writing this woman in this town He's headed to meet her mm-hmm. so he can get married to her. You know, he gets a picture of her. He hasn't sent a picture of him to her. So they kind of have a joke about him being ugly and whatnot. But, you know, they kind of they right. get, have good good, um, good interaction. But then they get attacked by a group of Indians. And in this, in this interaction, Percy gets shot with the arrow. And Johnny Black takes off with his portion coach because he thinks he's dead. So he ends up going to the town, assuming the reverend's ad- identity and gotcha. to be the pastor. So that's kind of his story. He's on the run, but he's in this town as his pe- as his preacher. So while he's there, he has to do the sermon on Sunday because he's the new pastor. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, he's a different pastor. Of course, he's Johnny Black. So there's a, an altercation in the town where someone is just sh- shooting bottles and whatnot. And the marshal there is trying to get the guy to stop, but he doesn't. So, you know... Johnny Black doesn't like this, so he confronts him, ends up taking him down, shooting his gun out of his hand and shooting him in the leg, which, you know, it's kind of got people curious, like, you know, who's heard of a preacher with guns that shoots and whatnot? But um, bottom line is this town, the previous mayor who died has a piece of land that Barry Boswell's character, Tom Sheely, is trying to get a hold of. There's a mystery as to why he's trying to do it. Like, he's trying to get the current mayor to sign over the deed having issues with that. And then of course, 
Percy's not dead, finds his way to the town, but he goes along with Johnny Black to be his deacon. Deacon, deacon, deacon. That's his name. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> so it's basically they find out the secret as to why this land baron wants to get the land. And I guess Johnny Black's kind of having this, I guess, come to Jesus moment where should he really be about this revenge or should he turn over a new leaf and, you know, yeah, think of forgiveness and whatnot. Um, but yeah, as far as the, if I compare it to Black Dynamite, this Black Dynamite definitely has more humor to it. This is more kind of a, I guess, a straight lace story where, you know, he's on the run, takes the identity of a pastor. He finds out what the mystery is of this town. So his plan is, so basically the town has oil, but also the bank has $5,000. So his plan is just to originally to rob the bank, get the 5,000, get, get out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Then when he learned, then when he learns about the oil, he's like, okay, maybe I should actually help these people, you know, but, um, it's it's decent. I mean, it's not it's not bad. It's just it's not as funny as Black Dynamite. Like it, it's gotcha. really heavy into the black exploitation. This I think yeah. they could have went a little more with satire western. They could have went more into it, but um, but it's still funny. I think they could have trimmed off maybe twenty minutes because it's like two ten. Maybe could have oh. had the runtime about one forty five would have been cool. Yeah, because um, it does feel like it runs a little long at spots. But what I really like was a uh, comedian Tony Baker. I didn't. I thought it was just gonna be like, like a small role, but he's in it a little more, and, and like every scene he's in is just funny, like hilarious. Um, hopefully he gets more roles where he can be do a little more. Right. I, I'm, I mostly watch him on Instagram and whatnot, but gotcha. um, he's got got pretty decent comedic timing. Um, yeah. I mean, if you like Michael J. White and like Black Dynamite, I think you'll enjoy this. I just the big thing is just the runtime. They could have just shrunk shrunk the time down a little bit. Yeah. But um, it's still it's still worth a watch. Okay. Cool. <clears throat> uh, so real quick, I know we haven't really had much time in probably the past couple months really to talk about TV like we used to could. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've also had some decent movies that we brought upon some great discussions. I do want to kind of, if you haven't been watching Ahsoka on Disney Plus. You really should. Now, why? Because I have not been the biggest fan of the Star Wars shows that they've been putting out on Disney+. Plus. First season of Mandalorian, I liked. Second one, okay. Third one, okay. You know, but nothing I've been like, oh my God, it's amazing. Uh, the Boba Fett series, I was just like, it was fine, but I, I wasn't blown away by it. Yeah. It kind of came and went. It served I mean, a purpose by having something on to watch. I mean, considering they brought in the Mandalorian halfway through, kind of right. to me, it felt like they didn't have a lot of confidence in it to begin right. with. Yeah, it was four yeah. episodes. It was four episodes of Boba Fett and two episodes of the Mandalorian. Yeah, and that was the season. And then third season Mandalorian came out. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, you know, and then Andor was okay. The, I did not like the Obi Wan series. That uh, just wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, I know nothing about this, you know, about Ahsoka and those in these characters because I did. I grew out of watching. Like I couldn't stand the anime for or the animation. I've talked about this 
for uh, Clone Wars. And Rebels kind of fell during around that time frame to where I just wasn't watching any of it. So I know absolutely nothing. I know these characters were in the show, but I have not watched it. Yeah. The one thing that Ahsoka's been doing really well is not only is the acting great, is the storytelling is good. The pacing's done right. And from those that I know that are fans of this, of Rebels and all this, you know, uh, all these show animated shows, is that the director's doing an amazing job introducing, or not introducing, but doing a lot of great callbacks, Easter eggs, and characters from the animated shows. Yeah. Knowing nothing about it, it's great because I'm just enjoying it for, you know, just in general, which, you know, kind of gives a different kind of point of view. Right. And everything's, and it's fun to watch. It's not, I don't feel like it's a chore to watch. Like some of the stuff sometimes kind of feels like I'm having to slug through some things to get to something else. But this yeah. one is just, it's done well. The acting's great. Storytelling's done well. Even the special effects that they actually spent some money on. So, yeah, I, I've been just just really enjoying it. Yeah, surprisingly, I don't I didn't think it'd be for me, but I've really enjoyed it. I have too. I still got to watch last week's, and I know the new one comes out tomorrow, so I've got a couple episodes to catch up on. But yeah, the one before, like the two previous ones, really kind of locked me in because. Like, I mean, even though I have watched some of the Clone Wars animated series, but I don't know the whole story. I've, I've I've seen some YouTube clippings and, you know, so I know some things, but still kind of going in blind because not not understanding the backstory of everything. So it's good that they're filling it, filling in those gaps. So if you yeah. whatever questions you have, they're kind of kind of filling in. You know, if you if yeah. you've watched those shows, you already know what's going on. If you're deep into the lore, you know what's up. Yeah. But it's good that even if you haven't watched it it's still accessible to you. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And then also the general Hera, camera luck mm-hmm. likes her a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I just <laughs> noticed some, I just noticed some angles. I'm like, yeah, okay. I see what y'all doing here. Oh, I had to point that out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but Rosario yeah. Dawson's awesome as Ahsoka. Yeah. And then the, yeah. the, the actress that plays her is younger. Also played young Gamora. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't know that. And she's in Barbie. So I'm like, she's getting in some work. Yep. Yeah. So I'm yeah, like, they're doing well with the casting. Indeed. Pretty spot on. <clears throat> yup. <clears throat> Excuse me. Goodness. Uh, and then lastly, Apple TV Plus has a show called The Changeling. It is a wild show. Yeah. It literally yeah. starts out as one thing, and <clears throat> as I told Patrick, if by the end of episode four, because episode six will come out this Friday, if by episode the end of episode four, you still, sorry, if after ep- ep- watching episode one, by episode four, you still think you know what's going on in this show, like you still have the same... At, the same uh, thinking, like, hey, episode one, okay, I think the story's going to be going this way. By the end of episode four, if you still think that, I need to talk to you <laughs> to figure out how. Because yeah. by the end of episode one, I didn't, I, I was like, oh, I think it's going to be like this. And then episode two comes around, I'm like, what is going on here? 
Yeah. And now by the end of episode five, I still don't know completely. No. <laughs> but I'm very curious. <laughs> this is one of those got to watch yep. full and then <clears throat> yep. do some backtracking. Like, does 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 this full experience make the whole journey worth it? <laughs> does yeah. it make sense? It's wild. And overall, yeah. <clears throat> it like, keeps is you thinking. Wild. Yeah. It's like its own mystery. It's a mystery as well. <laughs> it's definitely that. Um, but it is wild. So I would check that out and then get back to us. <laughs> it's uh, is it Annapura or is that the name of the production company? I think Annapura, uh, something like that. Annapurna. Annapurna. Yeah, Annapurna. Yeah. So, aka not A24, but they trying to do some A24 stuff in the show. Yeah, for Definitely sure. A24 worthy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but yeah. So this week. We have Saw Patrol. First you have Barbenheimer. Now you have Saw Patrol. Barbenheimer got you through the summer. Saw Patrol gets you through the fall. <laughs> That's right. Saw 10 and Paw Patrol Mighty Movie gets released this week. So get your Saw Patrol shirts ready to go. Be sure to take your kids to both. <laughs> All the puppies with, <laughs> with yeah. X's over the face. Yep. Oh, uh, also, we got the creator coming yes, out this most week. Importantly, most importantly, we had the creator. Uh, and Dumb Money also comes out. So, oh, so well, the I actually watched, the game. That, I watched that yesterday. Did you? Okay. Yeah, I don't know if it was like an early showing or whatever, or they just Probably. slipped it out early. Yeah. But um, it was between that, retirement plan, and big my Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, because I watched the first yeah. two last week. Mm-hmm. And so... I was like, I kind of want to watch it, but I'll see if I can catch him this week. <laughs> okay. But yeah. But yeah. Like I said, there's quite a bit out right now and coming lot. out, but there's been everything I've read about the creator has just been nothing but high, high, high praise. So yeah. there's a lot more of, uh, concerning. It's, I, I'm, it's, I'm concerned just because it's so positive. I don't want to get, I don't want that to affect my. Yep expectations for the movie so I, i'm kind of, i'm still keeping it keeping it low going in yep. i definitely want to try and see it in imax if it's available i think it will be it should be especially oh, since so, it, it, huh? oh go ahead yeah. no i'm just saying it should be in uh it should be available in imax i think so yeah opry mills and hendersonville will have a cool okay. imax showings for it yeah okay yeah that's how i'm gonna watch it uh because it looks like it needs to be seen on IMAX. So when I went to go see A Hunting in Venice, I just went for the earliest time on a Monday mm-hmm. since we recorded last Sunday. I had the time to do it. I was like, sweet, I can go to an early show. So I did. I went and saw Hunting in Venice, early show at at the Mills. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened, it happened to be the RPX Theater. Didn't even realize it until I got there. And like, Theater 11 is right there. I'm like, oh, dude, that's the RPX one. Sweet. Yeah. So I had the good comfy seats mm-hmm. uh, and the huge screen, you know, and the sound and everything. Yes. IMAX light, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now that's like, okay, okay, yeah. But yeah, if you can so catch I, a movie. In, I, when I'm watching certain movies, if I see Auditorium 11, that's where I'm going. I, yep. <laughs> it's like it's oh, not available so in nice. IMAX, but hey, RPX. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Just as good. Yep. Just don't uh, go to Hollywood's RPX because this. Sounds horrible. 
Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, Good that's to know. what I what did I watch? Um I think that's how I watched Expendables. Oh, okay. Said RPX. There was the one movie I watched this week, it was RPX and um yeah, yeah the sound was real muffled. Kind Ooh. of yeah. I thought it because I had my earbuds in one ear. Usually, yeah. That when I took it out, I'm like, yeah. It sounds like it's a lot of echoing on the audio. Gotcha. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, just like, nah. No RPX from. Don't go to Hollywood. <laughs> don't go to gotcha. Winter Oaks. Good to know. Good to know. Unless you have to, and there's no other Unless option. You have to. Yeah. All right. Uh, and lastly, uh, breaking news from yesterday is the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, has reached a tentative deal on uh with the studios so fingers crossed make sure they you know they're you know they're gonna see what the you know specifics and everything but as of right now the wga has reached a tentative deal to end their strike so yeah just pay these people yep pay them just get it over with and then afterwards you know work on your actors and yeah move on yep and then you know just everything will be yeah. Just if you just pay the people, you won't have problems. <laughs> you won't have these issues. That's generally most corporations. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I guess they just like going through it. I guess so. Some people like to go through some things. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> speaking of which, that'll be that's a reminder. Saw Patrol this week. If you want to go through some things, <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> yeah. Saw oh, and Paw Patrol for uh, your palate cleanser. Yep, there you go. <laughs> oh, bless. Uh, yeah. Too funny. All right, everybody. We'll, we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at Parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.